I'm Richard Figge, and this is for Reading Out Loud. So good to have you with me tonight. Tonight's story is by Edward John Morton Drax Plunkett. I had to double-check that to make sure it was right, because he is better known, if you know him at all, as Lord Dunsany. He really was a lord, with the second oldest title, created in 1439 in the Irish peerage. Dunsany lived much of his life at what may be Ireland's longest inhabited house, Dunsany Castle near Tara. At one time he was considered one of the greatest writers in the English language, and he was the author of more than 90 books. Today he is best remembered as the author of The King of Elfland's Daughter, a fantasy novel published in 1924. Lord Dunsany wrote fantasy novels before there was even that category of literature. So, I suppose he might be called the inventor of the genre. Tonight's story, quite new to me, was sent to me this past week by a friend who tells me that it has fascinated him for over fifty years. I think you'll see why in a minute. It is an unforgettable mixture of satire, witty invention, gentle humor, sometimes almost sad, constantly amusing. But why try to tell you when Lord Dunsany can show you? This one goes out with thanks to Rick. A Tale of London Come, said the sultan to his hashish eater in the very furthest lands that know Baghdad, dream to me now of London. And the hashish eater made a low obeisance and seated himself cross-legged upon a purple cushion embroidered with golden poppies on the floor beside an ivory bowl where the hashish was, and having eaten liberally of the hashish, blinked seven times and spoke thus. O friend of God, know then that London is the desiderate town even of all earth's cities. Its houses are of ebony and cedar, which they roof with thin copper plates that the hand of time turns green. They have golden balconies in which amethysts are, where they sit and watch the sunset. Musicians in the gloaming steal softly along the ways, Unheard their feet fall on the white sea-sand with which those ways are strewn, and in the darkness suddenly they play on dulcimers and instruments with strings. Then are there murmurs in the balconies praising their skill. Then are there bracelets cast down to them for reward and golden necklaces and even pearls. Indeed, but the city is fair, there is by the sandy ways a paving all alabaster, and the lanterns along it are of chrysoprase. All night long they shine green, but of amethyst are the lanterns of the balconies. As the musicians go along the ways, dancers gather about them and dance upon the alabaster pavings for joy and not for hire. Sometimes a window opens far up in an ebony palace and a wreath is cast down to a dancer, or orchids showered upon them. Indeed, of many cities have I dreamt, but of none fairer. Through many marble metropolitan gates Hashish has led me, but London is its secret, the last gate of all. The ivory bowl has nothing more to show, 
and indeed even now the imps that crawl behind me and that will not let me be are plucking me by the shoulder and bidding my spirit return, for well they know that I have seen too much. No, not London, they say, and therefore I will speak of some other city, a city of some less mysterious land, and anger not the imps with forbidden things. I will speak of Persepolis, or famous Thebes. A shade of annoyance crossed the sultan's face, a look of thunder that you had scarcely seen. But in those lands they watch his visage well, and though his spirit was wandering far away, and his eyes were bleared with hashish, yet that storyteller there and then perceived the look that was death, and sent his spirit back at once to London, as a man runs into his house when the thunder comes. And therefore, he continued, in the desiderate city, in London, all their camels are pure white. Remarkable is the swiftness of their horses, that draw their chariots that are of ivory along those sandy ways, and that are of surpassing lightness. They have little bells of silver upon their horses' heads. O friend of God, if you perceived their merchants, the glory of their dresses in the noonday, they are no less gorgeous than those butterflies that float about their streets. They have overcloaks of green and vestments of azure. Huge purple flowers blaze on their overcloaks, the work of cunning needles. The centers of the flowers are of gold and the petals of purple. All their hats are black. No, no, said the sultan. But irises are set about the brims, and green plumes float above the crowns of them. They have a river that is named the Thames. On it their ships go up with violet sails, bringing incense for the braziers that perfume the streets, new songs exchanged for gold with alien tribes, raw silver for the statues of their heroes, gold to make balconies where the women sit, great sapphires to reward their poets with, the secrets of old cities and strange lands, the earning of the dwellers in far isles, emeralds, diamonds, and the hordes of the sea. And whenever a ship comes into port and furls its violet sails, and the news spreads through London that she is come, then all the merchants go down to the river to barter, and all day long the chariots whirl through the streets, and the sound of their going is a mighty roar all day until evening. Their roar is even like, Not so, said the sultan. Truth is not hidden from the friend of God, replied the hashish eater. I have erred being drunken with the hashish, for in the desiderate city, even in London, so thick upon the ways is the white sea sand with which the city glimmers, that no sound comes from the path of the charioteers, but they go softly like a light sea wind. It is well, said the sultan. They go softly down to the port where the vessels are, and the merchandise is from the sea, amongst the wonders that the sailors show on land by the high ships, and softly they go, though swiftly, at evening back to their homes. Oh, would that the munificent the illustrious, the friend of God, had even seen these things, had seen the jewellers with their empty baskets bargaining there by the ships when the barrels of emeralds came up from the hold. 
or would that he had seen the fountains there in silver basins in the midst of the ways. I have seen small spires upon their ebony houses, and the spires were all of gold. Birds strutted there upon the copper roofs from golden spire to spire that have no equal for splendor in all the woods of the world. All over London, the desiderate city, the sky is so deep a blue that by this alone the traveler may know where he has come, and may end his fortunate journey. Not yet for any color of the sky is there too great heat in London, for along its ways a wind blows always from the south gently and cools the city. Such, O friend of God, is indeed the city of London, lying very far off on the yonder side of Baghdad, without a peer for beauty or excellence of its ways among the towns of the earth or cities of song. And even so, as I have told, its fortunate citizens dwell, with their hearts ever devising beautiful things, and from the beauty of their own fair work that is more abundant around them every year, receiving new inspiration to work things more beautiful yet. And is their government good? the sultan said. It is most good, said the hashish-eater, and fell backwards upon the floor. He lay thus, and was silent, and when the sultan perceived he would speak no more that night, he smiled and lightly applauded. And there was envy in that palace, in lands beyond Baghdad, of all that dwell in London. You've been listening to A Tale of London by Lord Dunsany. It seems to me he captures wonderfully our human tendency to wish we were in another place or another time, to think that our present surroundings somehow don't measure up to far-off places or some time in the past. What a great idea to place the speakers in the story in Baghdad, for English readers the most exotic place imaginable, and have them dream of the unimaginably exotic and far-off London. What readers or listeners to this story can resist smiling at themselves and our insistence on finding our own surroundings dull and finding far-off times and places enchanting? Let's give the last word to the German poet Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, writing as a still young man. I'll read it in German and then in a translation. Willst du immer weiter schweifen? Sieh, das Gute liegt so nah. Lerne nur das Glück ergreifen, denn das Glück ist immer da. Do you wish to roam farther and farther? See, the good lies so near. Only learn to seize on happiness, for happiness is always here. I'm Richard Figge, and this has been For Reading Out Loud. I hope you'll join me again next week. In the meantime, be well, be happy, stay safe. All the best. Thank you.